originally back in 1979, my parents had gone through a divorce. My dad was really involved in, in pretty serious alcoholism and it had, it had split my family. And just by the grace of God, the Lord called him to Colonial Heights where he met Jesus. And, uh, and through that, he led me to Christ in 1979. And that led me to joining Colonial Heights and being baptized here as part of this family. Well, we came because of our family. Uh, we love to come uh, not only by, because of our biological family, where we get to sit with our grandkids every Sunday morning on the first pew, but we came because we love the Colonial Heights Baptist Church family. Originally we came, or I came, as a child with my parents, Sam and Dottie DeVore, and they're also the reason that we joined again when we moved back to Mississippi to be with family with them, but also with the rest of our Colonial Heights family who has um, encouraged me as I served overseas, but also our family in Israel, getting to see some of y'all there and um, visiting here every time we came back. Some friends that invited us here, um, and I think that was Adoption Sunday that we were invited. Uh, we liked the church, we liked that it was Bible-based. Uh, there was some truth to, to the uh, message just like the cohesion and unity here. I arrived to Colonial Heights um, through an invitation from someone who had only heard about Colonial Heights um, and had shared with me some of the things that were happening here. Um, and actually, I was able to interview Chad for a, uh, for a project I was working on at school, um, and he invited me. When we first began coming to Colonial Heights, it was as a result of someone inviting us to be here. Actually, my husband's boss had invited us and um, we felt um, happy to accept that invitation. But what kept us here was so much more than that one invitation. It was the obvious presence of the Spirit in the lives of the people here and the things that were going on. I came to Colonial Heights as a preteen when my parents were looking for a church with a vibrant student ministry. We um, had been going back and forth from our our own churches and so we loved that this was going to be our church um, and we were plugged into the newlywed life group and that was a great fit for us. Yeah, we came to Colonial Heights uh, just from being invited from one of my friends at work and just simply asked if we had a church family and invited us to come here. I started attending Colonial Heights in the early 90s with a friend from college and then I brought my husband here a year or so later yeah, we, we heard about Colonial Heights by a friend who invited us, um, and so we, we, we came to a church service, um, and that's kind of how we got started here. Colonial Heights was the closest that I could walk to, and uh, I started walking to church, and, uh, and I fell in love with the worship and the message, and uh, people around here started pouring their love and taking me as part of their family. Um, that what brought me and made me to stay at Colonial Heights Baptist Church. Together we glorify God. 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 By making disciples of all nations. 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 All nations.
Well, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. You just heard from several of our church members, some of those who have been here 30 plus years, some of those in just the last year or so. Uh, and, and if you haven't noticed, that means that today we start a new sermon series called Whatever It Takes. This sermon series is also really, uh, the, it's kind of unique in that at the end of this series, it kind of begins uh, this, this financial campaign in order to help us get out of debt in order that we can more, more so reach our world. Uh, and so if you're a church member here, you should have received a letter in the week that, uh, in the mail this week. Uh, it would have had a prayer guide on it and just general information about all that is happening with whatever it takes. This is not new to you, I hope. We've been talking about this for some time. If you are a guest with us, don't feel like uh, you're out of place. Uh, we are going to spend our time understanding more of who we are as a church through God's word, not just through my thoughts or not just through some campaign talk, but, but the, just to give you kind of a scope of what is to come. We are going to spend the next few weeks, this week and the next three after it, so four weeks, trying to really think about who we are. What is a, the mission of the church? What is, what is it that we've been called? In fact, what have all churches been called to do? I, I was talking with a group of uh, pastors and ministry leaders just this past week, and I was describing to them that uh, it's necessary like I don't, that, that you understand what the church is and who the church is uh, and that the church understands who we are. Your, your mission statement, as you'll hear, in fact, all of those people just said it, right? It, your mission statement at another church does not have to be the same, but it has to be the same, Right, like it doesn't have to be word for word the same mission statement, but in order for you to, to accomplish what God has called us to be as a church, then every mission statement needs to be similar, right? It doesn't have to necessarily have the same words, but it needs to be communicating the same truth, same reality of what the church is. Otherwise, you're not doing what the church is called to do. So we're gonna spend the next few weeks really unpacking this understanding of who we are. And then the Four weeks following that, we're going to try to understand what God has called us uniquely to do at Colonial Heights, seeing a, a vision set before us that really goes back to something that was presented uh, two years ago, almost. Um, really, it was a sermon called, What's Next? And we began to think about that. We wanted to, to know our people. We wanted to love our community. We wanted to end our debt. And we wanted to do that in order that we could reach our world. So, so this vision is a vision for Colonial Heights in this time. I, I, I hope you realize this. You and I, we were made for 2022. You might think like, I would have liked to have skipped 2022. Like maybe we can just get past some of the, the stuff that's been going on. Maybe the heartache or hardship, you'd like it to just, like, maybe if we just go straight to 2023, all of that will go away. But I want you to realize that some of you were here for the vision that to move from the old campus to the new campus. In fact, if you were here at the old campus, will you raise your hand? 
Okay, put your hands down. All of those who were not here, will you raise your hand? Okay, very good. So put your hands down. So all of you are a part of this vision. Even if you, I'm thankful for those who had that vision back then. There's another group of you who were here to build the building behind us. We're thankful for that vision. That was a, another thing set before this church body in order to accomplish that. And, and in order to do that, both the move to this campus and buying this property and building this building and building the building behind us, guess what? That, that took money. In order for this church to do that then, it took debt. But we want to get out of that debt, and I am thrilled to say that we are the group that gets to do that. And you're like, huh? Yeah, we get to do that. Like, this is excellent. So how do you know you were made for this moment? <laughs> you are in this moment. You're not in that moment. You're in this one. So you were made for this. Guess what? God gave us 2022. He didn't give us the 1940s. He gave some of you the 1940s, but he didn't give me the 1940s. Okay? He didn't give any, I'll go safe. He didn't give any of us the 1740s. Okay? Right? Like, right? He gave us this part. This is, this is the part we've been given. And, and until the day we die, this is the part we have. So, so go all in on the short period of time that you have. So yeah, we're going to have this campaign that will really kick off on April 3rd. That will be this three-year, $5 million daunting task. And some of the deacons were in my office this morning praying, which I'm so thankful for every week. And one of them said, God, we know that $5 million is a lot of money to us. But as scripture reminds us, to the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, $5 million is a drop in the bucket. For some of you, maybe you could be the one that writes a $5 million check. And we could end the campaign today. We'll still do the campaign so that we can like, reach the world more, but we just won't have debt to worry about. So if one of y'all wants to do that, that'd be great. Yeah, that's the goal, right? The goal is not just get, like, get the debt off of the books because we're tired of that. It, it's that, but the goal is... May people who don't know Christ know Christ. That's, that's what's sitting before us. And so when I think about what has been laid before us, that together we glorify God by making disciples of all nations, that's a big, daunting task. In fact, it's much more daunting than $5 million. But that's the one that's in the scripture and that's the one God has called us to do. So let's look to his word to hear what he's calling of us. So Matthew chapter 28. We're going to begin in verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So as we think both about this text in light of our mission statement 
think it's best to begin with this idea of together, right? Together, like this is us, right? This is not intended to be done alone. Verse 16, there was at least 11, <laughs> right? By the way, I hope you understand that the size of the church does not dictate the grandeur of the uh, command, right? Just because we have, I don't know, 700 and some odd people here on a Sunday and the next church has 10,000 and there's another church that only has 11, guess what? Same command. That's why I said it doesn't matter if you use the same terminology, but, but you have to have the same task because we've only been given a task. So, so together, so there's 11. Then he goes, it says he goes to the mountain which, uh, where Jesus directed them. He's not just saying, hey, you, Peter, or just you, James, or just you, Chad. By the way, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be rough if you were reading back through this? You were, you were in that little group, and you're reading back through, and it has this little three-word statement, but some doubted, and you know good and well you were one of those? Ooh, let's not be that group. Let's be on the ones that, like, they saw him, they worshiped him, and let's not be on the end then some doubted. I think, too, though, about Acts 1, those... There's, there's really what's argued to be, this is described as the Great Commission, but there's argued to be five different Great Commission statements in Scripture, each one of the Gospels having one of those, and then the book of Acts, Acts 1-8. But, but before that, I want you to listen. It says that, again, this is togetherness. When they had come, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father had fixed by his own authority, but you. In fact, right there where it says, but you will receive power, verse eight, I want you to put in your minds as best as Southern possible, think y'all. <laughs> but y'all will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon y'all and y'all will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, this is, please don't hear me like changing scripture. So this is, this is you. This is a directive. This is you. This is what you are going to do. But there is something about this togetherness here that is saying like, this isn't just for only you. This is for all of y'all. Right, And so this is, this is the call. We are not designed to make disciples in a vacuum, just by ourselves, doing our own thing, doing, like each one of us on our own. No, the church expands when the church multiplies. This is all of us doing this task. This is a together picture. Understand, like, seriously, this is through the church. In fact, I, I, uh, as a side note, we have membership matters today at 3.30. And so maybe some of you are guests today. Maybe you've been here several times. Maybe this is your first time. I met a first time guest just this morning. Uh, I would love for you to be here today at 3.30 when we will talk about what it looks like to be a member here. Uh, some of you have already registered for that. You, if you did, we'll see you then. If you didn't register, come anyway. Uh, we'll make room for you. I'm positive. So membership matters today. If you're considering membership or even just wanting to learn a little bit more about Colonial Heights, then be here this afternoon. I will tell you, though, there are some recent 
Uh, and by recent, I mean probably 30 or 40 years in the scope of the world. 30 or 40 years really is recent. Um, there's some practices in missions and in mission organizations that are pretty concerning. Sometimes there's, there's these models for missionary movements that can sound really great. They, they even begin by using some similar phrases that we do and even advocate portions of what we aspire to accomplish, but, but they have a very different end goal. Sadly, there is just an unhealthy pressure and levels of expectation placed on missionaries around the world to produce numerical results that, quite frankly, they do not have the ability to control. It's really just things that are to be controlled by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so these movements lead to unhealthy practices that lead to a lack of healthy church being planted and oftentimes no way of even seeing or having a, a knowledge of true conversion. And there's probably another day that I will spend talking more about this, but I'm just kind of planting that little seed for you to help you see that all of the work that Christ has called us to do in the work of mission is designed to happen through the body of Christ, through the local church. That's what it's designed to do. Now, hear me, there is individual responsibility in that. Nobody's like off the hook and say like, oh, some people from my church did that, so I don't have to like tell people about Jesus because somebody else did. No, but it is, it is a collective work that we do together. So together, we glorify God. One of John Piper's most famous statements or phrases of all time is when he writes, missions exist because worship doesn't. You know, that's the intent when, when there's this call to, to make disciples, there's a call for evangelism, right? We see that in this phrase, baptizing them. We, we certainly see this responsibility to tell other people of the goodness and grace of Jesus Christ. That there is a way that you no longer have to spend eternity in hell, but you can spend eternity in heaven with Christ. There is a responsibility, but the, the reason for that is because we want God to be more worshiped. And the reality is there are people that aren't worshiping God, not the one true God. And so we are, we are intending to bring them into the picture. We, we want them around the throne. We, we want more. In fact, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But we want those who don't know Christ to know him. Yes, for their good, like for your good. I tell you week after week after week about Jesus and his love and his grace and his mercy for your good because, and for my good because it is good for us to know him. Yes, like it is good for us to be known by him. It is good for us to have relationship with him. I think about last week, how we were just reminded about the, the compassion and care of our God and how he listens to our cries. He listens to our our moaning and groaning. He listens to us in, in all of those deep recesses of our hearts and he knows us, but it's not just for our good. It is for his glory. 
He is honored when we celebrate him. He is honored when we sing holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. And we will do that for all eternity. He is honored when we work for him, when our, our job and our schoolwork and our efforts are, are pleasing in his sight. It is honoring to him. So, so when we say, like, we don't just say that we want to together make disciples. We do want to do that, and we're going to get there. But we want to understand that the reason we do that is because ultimately we want God to be praised more than any other being or any other part of our soul. We want the God of all creation to receive the honor that he is so due. And we use a phrase like glorify, which I understand is all churchy. Well, guess what? We're a church. So it's gonna sound churchy sometimes. If you don't understand glorify, I want you to understand that it's, it's this picture of, of helping describe something that is great with all of the greatness that you can. Giving God, we don't make him great. He already is great. We can't make him greater. He's always the greatest. But we can... We can make his name great. We can make it great by describing it, displaying it, declaring it to those around. You see, he becomes our first priority. We have switched allegiances, church. That, that's, that's the work of repentance. And, and for some of you, you're here today and you, you just came, like someone invited you, maybe like all of those people in the video, I think said somebody invited them to church or they, or they just came with their parents. Dad said, get in the truck. Like, okay, that counts. You weren't really invited, you were told, but glad. Uh, no, like, but there is this, there's this uh, invitation that has been made to you, is being made maybe even right now, that you can know this compassionate, caring God, not just for your sake, but for his glory. And, and it is a change of allegiance for you. I'll tell you, the reality is that this God that I'm speaking of who deserves such glory, such change of allegiance, that we don't think about ourselves but we think about him, he he deserves this because he's the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-wise, only creator God. He's designed you. He's made you. And what we've done with that is what is called sin. We've offended God. We've disobeyed him. We've, we've gone our own way. We've stuck with our own plans. We like ourselves and our stuff more. So we've rejected him. That, that rejection creates a separation between the perfect God and the imperfect us. So God sent his son, his name is Jesus, to live a perfect life that we could not live, to die a death that we deserve to die. That was the punishment. So the punishment was that we would die. And so Christ comes, Jesus Christ comes to, to live perfect life, die a death that we deserve, and then he conquered death by rising again, coming back to life. And so it's his words that we're listening to now who's giving this kind of command. Doesn't it seem to make sense that the guy who conquered death and the grave and hell, that we would listen to what he has to say when he says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me? He said, probably has. You came back to life. I bet you do have all authority. 
But for some of you today, you've never switched allegiances. You've never repented is what we call that. Turning away from your sin and yourself and your ways and trusted in that only creator God. And so I plead with you even right now that you would trust in him. You would believe that that his son, Jesus, died on the cross, conquering death. You would trust in him. You would follow, you say, okay, I'm gonna do whatever it is you say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you. When Jesus was calling disciples, calling those that he would teach, he just said, follow me. And they're like, all right. Hey, turn away from all of your other stuff and start doing what I say. Okay. That's calling, that's like, we've, we use the phrase surrender to him as Lord. Once again, we don't make him Lord. He already is Lord. It's just a matter of when are you gonna bow your knee? So together, we glorify God by making disciples. You know, I, I mentioned that this work happens within the church, and I totally agree with that, still agree with that, and I think about that in regards to things like, uh, like the, the work of making disciples, I would argue, is, is twofold. So if you look back at this text, it says, go therefore and make disciples, and there's, there's two ways to do that, right? So there's this way of baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them. So you got baptize and teach. The work of baptism is a reflection of what we would call uh, evangelistic work. So the telling of like, like what I just did, explaining to someone how they can trust in Jesus and turn away from their sin and trust in him. They repent and believe. That work, explaining that to someone is the work of evangelism. That is a part of discipleship. It's, it's not excluded from discipleship. It is part of it. Sometimes we like to uh, make these two separate things, right? So we like to say, well, there's some people who do evangelism. There's some people that do discipleship. I need you to understand, you need to be both of those people. You need to be doing, like, doing the work of sharing the gospel, telling other people how they can come, like, how they don't have to go to hell anymore and they can get to heaven. And you need to invest your life in people in the work of discipleship, the ongoing teaching them to observe what the Lord has commanded. That's, that we, we see that most often here in uh, like life group is a great setting for that to happen where there's more individual, smaller groups able to, to learn and grow together. There's also, uh, if you're one who says, I would love to have someone personally invest in me, we, we would love to do that and know that. In fact, uh, there's students that that is happening with right now. There are, I want to say like 50 or 60 students that are in those kind of one-on-two, one-on-one type relationships. There's ladies where that is happening. There's men where that is happening. There's couples where that is happening. We want to do more of that. So let's double down on that. And here's why. Because when we tend to think that our job is just, if, if you kind of go on the one category that says, maybe I'm just the evangelist, right? I'm, I'm gonna only do that. I don't have time to invest all of my life. And by, I'm just better at that. I'm gonna be faster at that than the rest of you people. I'm gonna do that. Like nobody thinks that. I, I hope nobody thinks that. But if you do, let's just say, I wanna do some math 
Now, this is about the only math I can do, but uh, I can do this math, okay? So if you were to share the gospel and lead someone to Christ every day, right, on a regular year, that would be 365 people in that one year. Yes? Okay. You're going to stick with me on the math here, okay? So if that happens, and you're, again, let's say, like, you're, man, you're pretty good at this. You, you share the gospel 365 days a year, and, and every day someone comes to Christ. Now, you don't talk to them again. You don't know how well that's going. You don't know about their, their you're not teaching them to observe all the things that he has commanded. You're not doing that part, but you, you do the first part. If you do that, 365, and you do that for 30 years, like big chunk of your adult life, right? 30 years. That would be 10,950. Now, if you lead 10,950 people to Christ over your lifetime, you're probably gonna pat yourself on the back. If you don't, you're gonna tell somebody else in hopes that they'll pat you on the back. Some association somewhere is gonna give you a plaque for being really good at leading people to Christ. Like, you're gonna get awards, whatever. But if you remember what we've already established, this work isn't for your glory, is it? No, the work is that we glorify God. It's to honor Christ. It's to please him. So now, going with his plan, his plan is not evangelize, get a notch in your belt every time someone prays to receive Christ. His plan is to baptize them. So do the work of evangelism and do this work of teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Some of your versions say teach them to obey and that's accurate as well. The reason I like ESV here using this word observe, because that means they're going to watch you see if you're following those very same commands. Now think about it this way. Instead of one person every single day, let's do another math equation, okay? And so now let's say that I take one person and on January 1st, by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit convicts them of their sin. They turn from their sin. They trust in Jesus. And so all year long, I'm going to invest my time in them. All year long, I'm going to spend time teaching them what it looks like to read their Bible on their own. How do they know more of God? I'm going to teach them what it looks like to, to come to a, a worship gathering. I'm going to take them to a life group. I'm going, to, I'm going to be in the room the first time they take the Lord's Supper. I'm going to even explain the bread and the cup to them. I'm going to, I'm going to explain those pieces. I'm going to ex help them see what it looks like to, to give and to give joyfully and uh, to be excited about that, uh, those opportunities. I'm gonna, I'm gonna also take them with me to, to care for the sick. I'm gonna take them with me when I go drop off a meal at a friend's house. They're gonna come along. They're gonna observe that work, right? So I'm gonna teach them to, to know what that looks like. So all year long, this is taking place. Now in plan number one, at the end of year one, we get 365. But at plan two, what seems to be the slower plan and seems to be also the Lord's plan, there's only two of us, right? So 365 to two. But remember how I said if we do that for 30 years? So I want you to imagine, so at the end of that year, all, all within the work of the church, right? At the end of that year, me and that other person, we both take 
And we, by God's grace, lead someone else to Christ. So we go from two to four. Okay, we're awake, I like it, okay? So we have four of us, and so we're both investing in that person all year long. We're doing the same thing. We're teaching them how to study God's word, how to give, how to pray, how to uh, share Christ, how to do all of these things. So we do that for a whole another year. And so instead of just four, the, the next year, all four of us take another person. So we go from four to Okay, multiplication, you're so good. You're just at times two, so good. Okay, so at the end of that year, we go from eight to 16, 16 to 32, 32 to 64, and guess what happens? At the end of 30 years, instead of 10,950, you'll get 1,073,741,824. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, that's like China coming to Christ in 30 years. Okay, you want to know how God's plan is to make disciples of all nations, not just the one little circle that you're in? Guess what? If you do that work, it's impossible for it to stay right here. We, I don't know if you know about the size of Mississippi, but we do not have a billion people here. Right? This, this is working. So many times we think about how is it that I'm supposed to make disciples of all nations and, and like I don't, even, I don't even, I'm not living in another nation. You're living in a nation now. Did you know that? This one counts as a nation. In fact, when Jesus was writing this, the United States of America didn't even exist. We were one of the nations he was talking about. Go to them. Like, this is the picture. So, so we're still in this making disciples idea. We're not just trying to get more people on a list somewhere. This is talking, this is, this is talking about the, the work that is taking place through the local church, through life groups, through discipleship groups, through individual time together, through our 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 body of Christ gathering together, designed by God for the glory of God. Guess what? When you do the plan he has, his 30-year plan, do you get a pat on the back for that? No. Do you, does somebody give you a plaque for that? Nope. In fact, so person number 1,072,000,000, they don't even know who you are. They've never talked to you, heard about you, thought anything about the state of Mississippi. And who cares? Because we'll have all eternity to stand around the throne and get to know them. Right? That's what we're talking about. This is the work of making disciples. So this is the task set before us. Now, this is a slow process, right? And, and we, we are a microwave people and a crockpot plan, right? Like the button that says like 12 hours when we want 15 seconds. That's what we look for. You remember how I was talking about there's those so methodologies that are becoming problematic last 30 or 40 years in mission work, it's because of things like that, 
We're trying to get the fastest, quickest way to get the most numbers on a sheet of paper that tell us that that there's something that we can be proud of or whatever. I I would just say, a book just came to my office this week entitled, There Are No Shortcuts to Success. Parentheses, the mission plan. Like, specifically thinking about mission efforts, there's no shortcuts. So, we want to do the work of making disciples. Together, we glorify God by making disciples of all nations. As I've already mentioned, this does begin in your neighborhood. I love this phrase. I wish I remembered who said it, because it's not mine. But somebody once said, the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest at home. And I I think at this point, if you haven't caught it, I do talk about the nations a lot. I do so because scripture talks about the nations a lot. But I I hope you never don't hear me. I know it's a double negative. English majors are panicking right now. Uh, Never don't hear me talk about the necessity for you to do the work in your neighborhood of making disciples. We want the gospel to go everywhere, to the places that it has never been. But we do that by starting right here where we are. That's that's why we even, we'll get to this, but that's why part of our vision is to love our community well. We want to love this community because in the same way that I know that we were designed, we were built for 2022, I also know we were designed and built for Ridgeland and for Madison and for Jackson Metro area. You know how I know? Because it's where we are located If we were in Atlanta, that's where we would be built for. If we were in Zimbabwe, that's where we would be built for. We're built for this community because this is the community we're in. I think about uh, Israel, our our brother Israel, who is leading out in our Spanish-speaking ministry and how he's knocking on doors in this community, sharing the gospel, evangelizing the lost. I think about our weekday preschool who the the intent is to bring more people here, that they would hear the the good news of Jesus, that their kids would be safe and guarded and be educated and equipped more here, that they would hear more of Christ, that their parents would be encouraged and be here. And by the way, even if their parents never come to a worship service here, I hope you hear this. They never arrive here, but they, they come and they hear the gospel and they are, maybe even they come to Christ and choose somewhere else to go to church. Praise God. This, this is not like a grow Colonial Heights mechanism. This is not the plan. The plan is that we, we do this work, that we baptize and teach. I think about yesterday. There was about six students and another group of adults that went knocking on doors, prayer walking through this community. They knocked on over 100 doors saying, hey, we would like to pray for you today. Anything we can pray about? Door after door after door. Now, yeah, they're saying they're from Colonial Heights, but if those people go to another church because somebody prays for them, praise the Lord. We want them to know Christ. Now, I also hope that you like it here enough that you'll invite your friends to come here. I think that's important and significant, and so do all those people that were on that video. Because somebody said, hey, will you come here too? But so we, we have to do the work of all nations, includes your neighborhood, but it does include all the other nations too. 
It's, it's, it's a both and. It's not an either or. You don't get to say like, oh, I, I'm more of a neighborhood guy, not so much a nation's person. No, no. Like you, you have to be both. That, that makes me think. The Tigray people with only 0.09% of the 716,000 in this people group who have no idea who Christ is. I take that back. The 0.09 are the only ones that do know. So the 99% have no clue and almost all of those have no access to the gospel. I want us to, to be a church that, that thinks of the Tigray people. So we long for the Tigray people to know Christ because we long to gather around the throne of Christ for all eternity with the Tigray people. Right? I think about Revelation 7. This is where it seems to always go for me. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. That's what we want, church. That's what we're longing for. And we got a long way to go. When there's some 7,000 people groups who have no access to the gospel, 3.2 billion people who don't just not know, they can't know because they don't have access to the glories of Christ. That's when we say we want to do whatever it takes for them. We're going to do whatever it takes. And so if that means, yeah, like let's get rid of debt. But this is not just about getting rid of debt. This is about us getting to work. This is us doing the work of making disciples. This is a big task. But guess what? We got a big God. He didn't give us a task that we could do. He gave us a task that he could do. So we say, let's, let's just jump on that train. I'm in on that. So it makes me then go back to this. You'll see this verse several times. Matthew 24 says, in this gospel, the, the good news, the fact that Jesus died, rose again, conquering the grave for us. Matthew 24, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. Like if we want Revelation 7, that means we want the end, right? If you were here for the book of Revelation, that series last year, if you were here for that, that sounds pretty great, doesn't it? All the stuff of this world, all the heartache, all the hardship, all the difficulty, all that stuff that last week we talked about, how long is this gonna last, oh Lord? How long is this gonna be? How I'm tired of this. Guess what? There won't be in, in heaven. Like, how long is this? How long is eternity? It's gonna change, right? Our, our how long question will, will look very different then. But if we want Revelation 7, we gotta have Matthew 24. 
Matthew 24, we've got to do the work to get the gospel to all those who do not know. So, yeah, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whenever I think of this campaign, what I first think of is this people. I've been called by God in this time for this season because we, we have an understanding that together we glorify God by making disciples of all nations. question really is for you. Are you in? Are you in? Because there's not a whole lot of together if it's just me. In fact, it's, it's a together if I like make the staff do it. That's not a very good together, right? We, we need to be together. And we must glorify God by following his every command. So let's do it. So as we respond today, I want to plead with you to give God the glory he deserves. For some of you, that, that glory comes from your initial surrender. Like right now, right where you are, Call on Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to him. And maybe you have questions about that. Maybe I wasn't clear enough about that. And so I would tell you, just to kind of make your way to this room to my left, when we, when we stand in just a minute, I would encourage you to, to make your way there. There would be people that would love to answer those questions you have. In fact, maybe you did that earlier this week. This happened last Sunday. Earlier in the week, someone had trusted in Christ. They just wanted the church to know. And we would love to celebrate that with you. That, that's also, go, go to that room, make that known. Maybe it is you're hearing and say, I, I wanna be a part of this group who says together this way, who gets on track together, jumps on that train together. I wanna be on that train, let's, let's do it. You can make that known. You can come to, again, you can come to Membership Matters for that, whatever the case is. But here's what I know. That this one true God, he deserves for us to give him the praise and the glory and the honor. And we don't have to wait for Revelation 7. We can praise his name now. We can rejoice that our God is worthy of it all. We can build our lives on this foundation now so that we can get to Revelation 7. So would you stand with me now? as we respond.